Welcome to the Bite to Bench to Bedside podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and joining me is the ever-knowledgeable Jen. Thanks, Tom. Today we've got something truly special on deck. We're diving into the world of molecular dynamic simulations and their transformative role in drug discovery. Right, Jen. Specifically, we'll be dissecting the paper from Bite to Bench to Bedside, Molecular Dynamic Simulations and Drug Discovery by Mayar Ahmed, Alex M. Maldonado, and Jacob D. Durant from the University of Pittsburgh. This paper is truly significant because it marks a paradigm shift in drug discovery from trial and error methods to a more rational, design-focused approach, utilizing computational power. Absolutely, Jen. This pivot hinges upon the usage of molecular dynamics, or MD simulations, a technique that allows us to observe the interactions between potential drug molecules and their target proteins, a dance at the atomic level, if you will. Let's break down the lingo for our listeners. MD simulations approximate the forces that govern atomic motions, allowing us to predict how a drug molecule interacts with its target. Imagine atoms as spheres and bonds as springs. MD is the step-by-step evolution of motion under Newtonian physics here. These simulations have revolutionized structure-based computer-aided drug design, or CAD for short, by adding in the crucial element of protein flexibility, which static structures lack. That's right, Tom. It's like looking at a photograph versus a video. With MD, we see the whole story of how a protein changes shape over time. This dynamic vision means we can identify multiple potential binding sites or druggable pockets that a traditional static picture would miss. Now, onto the meat of the paper. Our authors highlight the progress of combining MD simulations with CAD-D over the past two decades. One of the key advancements they discuss is the increase in computational power. Indeed, Tom. With GPUs entering the scene, originally meant for video games, we're now seeing calculations for MD simulations getting revved up, providing insights into longer biological timescales. And Jen, the implications are huge. These longer simulations reveal slower, more subtle conformational changes in proteins, giving us additional pockets that can be targeted with drugs. Moving forward, the authors discuss how MD simulations have become essential in several areas, such as generating conformational ensembles and capturing mesoscale dynamics, alluding to a future where custom-designed chips could make these methods even more widespread. Moreover, Jen, they emphasize the advent of machine learning. Paired with MD, this combo helps refine alpha-fold generated protein models, correct misplaced side chains, and improve the accuracy of ligand-binding predictions. Absolutely. And when it comes to drug design, this paper speaks volumes on how ensemble docking and assessing ligand stability via MD can pinpoint promising drug candidates with higher accuracy than ever before. To wrap up, this paper paints a bright future for drug discovery, where MD simulations are recognized as invaluable in the quest to move from the digital bite through the experimental bench and ultimately to the patient's bedside. In conclusion, this paper really is a testament to how technology is reshaping an entire industry, potentially speeding up the path to discovering new life-saving medicines. Personal reflections here. The integration of these advanced computational techniques into pharmaceutical research is not just fascinating, Jen, it's inspiring. It showcases the synergy between computation and biology that defines the cutting edge of science today. I couldn't agree more, Tom. 
And for our listeners, we hope this deep dive into molecular simulations has illuminated how the digital realm is fundamentally changing drug discoveries landscape. That's all we have for you today. Join us next time for another episode that transforms the complex into the comprehensible. This is Bite to Bench to Bedside signing off. Keep questioning, keep learning, and never lose your sense of wonder. See you next time. Tired of your love letters ending up in the bane of the recycling bin? Or your written proposals getting as much applause as a mime at a megaphone convention? Well, fear pen failure no more because Elf Inc. Extravaganza Lidded is here to enchant your epistles. Our Amore Aroma Ink might just be the solution to your love life's gliffy. I mean, iffy doodles. And if you're tired of everyone disagreeing with your ideas, Persuasio Potion turns your memos into yes-mos. Straight from the heart of the enchanted forest, our inks don't just write. They dance, they sing, they do the cha-cha with your emotions. And with every scribble, you're saving a squiddleberry. Talk about multitasking marvels. But wait, grab a quill from the nearest phoenix. Oh, they're already here, included with your purchase. Feathers ethically sourced during the phoenix's spa-molting retreat. For our eco-friendly enchanters, we have the never-ending cartridge. It's like the bottomless potion of parchment scribbling. Elf ink extravaganza lilted, penning the magic into your words. Your manuscripts will never be mundane again. So ink a little magic and dazzle your readers. Or who knows, maybe even leave this podcast under a spell of amazement. Visit Elfink Extravaganza Lita today and tell them Tom and Jen sent you. Your quill is waiting. Welcome to today's episode of the Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we have a fascinating topic to unpack, a research paper that could revolutionize our understanding of genetic interactions. The paper is titled Multi-Allelic Walsh Transforms by Devin Green, published recently. Exactly, Jen. This paper is a groundbreaking piece within the field of quantitative genetics. Now, what makes it so intriguing is that it extends the Walsh transform, also known as the Hadamard transform, to multi-allelic systems. To give our listeners some context, the Walsh transform has historically been used in evolutionary biology to detect and quantify interactions among alleles over different loci, a phenomenon known as epistasis. And traditionally, this has been limited to biallelic systems, meaning each gene location, known as a locus, has two alleles. Green, however, has developed two versions of the Walsh matrix that can describe any multilocus multiallele system, which is a significant expansion of the theory. That's right. Before we dive deep into the paper, let's break down a few key concepts for our audience. First off, what exactly is an allele? An allele is a variant form of a gene. Each individual has two alleles for each gene, one from each parent. The combination of alleles they have is called their genotype. An epistasis refers to the interaction effects between different genes. They can modify the phenotypic expressions in ways that deviate from the predictions of simple Mendelian genetics. Now, in multiallelic systems, we have more than two alleles per locus. This complexity has been a hurdle for analyzing genetic landscapes using traditional methods like the biallelic Walsh transform. With Green's introduction of multiallelic Walsh transforms, we've got a tool for analyzing these more complex systems. 
The paper introduces some necessary preliminary definitions of genotype representation, the Cartesian product of alleles at each locus, and notation for summation and product manipulation related to alleles. Alongside this, two functions called omega and mu are introduced. These are used in defining the new linear transformations, labeled W and Z in the paper, which generalize the Walsh matrix for multiple alleles. Now, the complexity of this paper is in the math, algebra, to be precise. Green provides formulas for these transformations, which allow for the formation of linear combinations of genotypes, effectively abstracting the genetic interactions into a form that can be more easily analyzed. The paper goes on to demonstrate that both W and Z are self-adjoint and scaled inverses of each other. But let's not get lost in the jargon. What this means is that they share very special mathematical properties that are key for performing transformations and inverse transformations. Right. It also shows that W and Z squared are positive definite and block diagonal. This part is a bit tricky, but it means that certain relationships of genetic elements within this mathematical framework are preserved in a way that aids in calculation and understanding. The implications of this are huge. It suggests that these transforms can be used as a new basis in mathematical terms to represent fitness landscapes. That's the relationship between genotype and reproductive success in a way that can account for complex allele interactions. Absolutely, Tom. And this extends to evolutionary biology by providing a more nuanced view of genetic landscapes and potentially leads to more precise models of evolution. Wrapping up, the paper thoroughly explores how these transformations can be applied to additive fitness landscapes. Situations where the genotype's effect on fitness is a simple addition of individual allele effects. To conclude, Green's paper is a substantial contribution to genetic analysis. It reimagines the way we can quantify and model the interplay of genes in a more complex, multi-allelic context. Our personal reflection on this paper is that while it's mathematically dense, the consequences for evolutionary biology and even for practical breeding programs could be immense. Absolutely. And although it remains theoretical now, the potential applications could lead to breakthroughs in how we manipulate and predict genetic outcomes in various organisms, including crops and livestock. Stay tuned as this research continues to evolve and potentially transform the field. Thanks for joining us for this deep dive. We hope you found this episode informative and enlightening. Until next time, keep pondering the complexities of life's code. Have you ever felt the icy chill of a snowstorm and thought, you know what this needs? A splash of fire. Or lounged by the pool on a sizzling summer day, wishing you could summon a frost-breathing bird of legend to cool things down. Well, celebrate no more, because Flaming Frost Phoenix Inc. has you covered. Imagine your guests' faces when our ice phoenix smoothly lands at your event, serving up chills and thrills with a side of fiery spectacle. Watch in awe as our frost fire fiestas turn your average party into an elemental extravaganza. Thrill as our frosty avian amigo juggles infernos and icicles with the finesse of a magician. Gasp as it executes the hypnotic blizzard blaze dance, a flurry flame fusion that's sure to melt hearts and frost cakes. And don't forget to treat yourself to our one-of-a-kind Phoenix Cream Cones. Where else can you find a mythical creature dishing out dessert with enough cool factor to put the sun on ice? Only at Flaming Frost Phoenix Inc. We're not just hot and cold, we're cool and bold. So for your next event, don't settle for ordinary. 
Dial 1-800-PHX-COOL and let the power of flames and frost turn your party into the stuff of legends. That's 1-800-PHX-COOL. Call now and get an extra scoop of cool fire. Putting the thermal in wow and the cool in hot dang. That's cool. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of our Deep Dive series, where we unwrap the complexities of cutting-edge scientific research and present them to you in a way that's engaging and, dare I say, digestible. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're bringing you a profoundly impactful piece of research that could revolutionize how we manage and monitor wound care. We're talking infection-responsive dressings, fashioning a new era in healthcare. Right. Let's unfold this innovative study titled Infection Responsivity of Commercial Dressings Through Halochromic Drop Casting, authored by Charles Brooker and Giuseppe Tranchi from the University of Leeds. Before we dive in, a little context. Wound care is a critical issue facing the healthcare industry, with infection control representing a significant challenge due to antimicrobial resistance and the lack of effective, real-time infection diagnostic tools at the point of care. That's where this study comes in. Correct, Jen. It proposes integrating therapeutic dressings with the capability to monitor wounds on the fly, so to speak, to inform clinical decision-making. And how do they do this? By incorporating a halochromic dye known as bromothymol blue, or BTB, into commercial dressings using a drop-casting method. Ingenious, isn't it? Absolutely, Tom. And for our listeners, halochromes are compounds that change color in response to pH changes BTB shifts from yellow-orange to blue when it goes from acidic or neutral pH levels to alkaline ones, which is typical in infected wounds. Now, to appreciate the stakes here, we need to understand the scale of the problem. Chronic wounds are a substantial financial burden, costing the UK's National Health Service around £5 billion annually. That's due to prolonged hospital stays, extended treatment periods, and the dire possibilities of amputations. So the objective here is twofold. Firstly, to incorporate a visual infection indicator into the dressing, and secondly, to quantify dye retention within the dressing to ensure it's durable and doesn't affect the wound environment negatively. They used two commercial dressings in their study, Aquacel Extra and Promogran, selected for their application in managing wounds with moderate to heavy exudation. Through meticulous methodology involving swelling tests, quantification of BTB loading, and dye release measurements, they evaluated the infection responsiveness of these dressings. On top of these tests, the researchers analyzed the change in dressing microstructure post-dye incorporation using scanning electron microscopy, or SEM. They then challenged the BTB-integrated dressings in simulated wound environments of different pH levels to study the color change and dye retention. And Jen, their findings were quite remarkable. They observed that these dressings could give a prompt visual cue, changing color in response to an infection-like alkaline environment. The amount of dye retained in the dressing structure was also significant, indicating the method's feasibility for real-world applications. This study has vast implications in terms of practical application, Tom. Think about it. Frontline medical staff and even patients themselves could potentially have an early warning system for wound infections. That's faster intervention, potentially less antibiotic misuse, and ultimately a shift towards more proactive wound care management. Absolutely. The ripple effect of this could be staggering for the healthcare system. 
especially in terms of costs related to chronic wound management, not to mention the implications for patient quality of life. Now, as we close, let's reflect on the broader relevance of this paper. This research sits at the cusp of biomedical innovation and practical application. It lays the groundwork for future studies that could further validate and refine this drop casting method, tailoring it for different types of wounds and varying healthcare settings. And that's all we have for this episode. We hope you found today's topic as fascinating as we did. Hats off to the researchers for their groundbreaking work. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast where we make science accessible and enjoyable. Until next time, keep asking questions and stay curious. Bye for now. Have you ever wished for a Sunday picnic in the sky, literally over the clouds? Or perhaps you've dreamt of a Venetian adventure but feared water? Well, fear no more. Introducing Solara Gondola Extravaganzas, Inc., where your sky-high fantasies become a sun-soaked reality. Picture this. You're lounging in a gondola, but instead of water, you're cruising through billowy clouds. That's right. The skies have become our canals. With eco-friendly solar panels shimmering like a disco ball and helium balloons so bouncy, you'll feel like you're on cloud nine because, well, you kind of are. Sip solar-infused cocktails from the sky bar and watch a pigeon do a double take as you toast to the good life. And our sky gondoliers? They're part pilots, part singers, and all charm. They'll navigate you around those pesky skyscrapers with a smile. Plus, you won't just be waving at the birds, you'll be serenading the stars. So whether it's a date where you can finally say love is in the air, literally. Or the only wedding venue where you can guarantee an uplifted spirit. Choose Solara Gondola Extravaganzas, Inc., where the sun meets serenity and skies become our canals. Come float with us and let every ride be a celestial experience. So why settle for a gondola ride by a canal? When you can have the whole sky, book your Sky Gondola Extravaganza today. Solara Gondola Extravaganzas, Inc., proud sponsors of this high-flying podcast. Hello, and welcome back to our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. On today's episode, we're diving deep into a revolutionary life science data management solution, the One Data for Sci, as outlined in the paper titled One Data for Sci, Life Science Data Management Solution Based on One Data. This topic is perfect for anyone interested in how the massive volumes of data from life science experiments are managed and utilized for groundbreaking research. Absolutely, Tom. The world of life sciences generates an immense amount of data. Managing this effectively is critical, not just for current research, but for future discoveries too. So, what we're looking at is a system that supports the entire data life cycle, right? From acquisition, user access, computational processing to archiving data, one data for size seems to handle it all. That's right. It's based on one data, a data management system. And what's brilliant here is that one data for size is fully containerized, supports Kubernetes, and what's even more interesting, the complete source codes are available on GitHub. We're not just talking about a theoretical concept. It has been practically applied to manage diverse data types like plant imaging, cellular imaging, and even cryo-electron microscopy data. And with users demanding more intuitive access to data for processing and sharing within the research community, solutions like one data for sci are becoming increasingly important. Now, before we really get into the meat of the paper, 
let's break down some key concepts for our listeners who might not be familiar with terms like Kubernetes and containerized. Kubernetes is an open source platform for automating deployment, scaling, and management of application containers across clusters of hosts. And when we say that something is containerized, we mean that the application, its dependencies, and configuration are all encapsulated in a container, which can be easily deployed across different computing environments. Perfect. Let's delve into the core discussion of today's episode. Can you start us off with the research paper's objectives, Tom? Certainly, Jen. The main objective of One Data for Sci is to bridge the gap between generalized data management systems and specialized life science solutions. It aims to offer a prototype that is adaptable to the general patterns of data usage in life sciences without being confined to any single data type. And how about their methodology? What's the technical backbone of this system? The solution utilizes the One Data architecture, which is fascinating. There are three core components to this system. The one zone, which you can think of as the nerve center communicating with various data providers. The one provider dealing with actual data stored in physical locations. And the clients who access and manage the data through different interfaces. Now this must have some significant implications for the field of life science data management. What potential impact are we looking at? The possibilities are extensive. We're talking about streamlining the handling of vast pools of experimental data, enabling better collaborations, enhancing research reproducibility, and even facilitating open science by making data sharing within the research community much simpler. That sounds transformative. And finally, Tom, could you share your personal reflections on this paper and its broader relevance? With pleasure, Jen. The world is swimming in data, and life sciences are no different. Solutions like OneDataForSci are not just tools, but are becoming essential infrastructure for research. It doesn't just solve an immediate need. It paves the way for future innovation by ensuring data is managed responsibly, efficiently, and in a way that's aligned with the principles of open science. It sets a precedent for other fields too, doesn't it? To develop data management solutions that are specific enough to meet their needs, yet flexible enough to provide broad utility. Precisely. It's about balance, and One Data for Sci appears to strike that balance quite beautifully. What an enlightening discussion and a promising glimpse into the future of data management in life science research. Thank you, Tom, for breaking down this complex topic so wonderfully. And thank you, Jen, for the insightful analysis. That's all we have time for today. We hope our listeners found this episode as fascinating as we did. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to more resources. We'll be back with another exciting topic on our next episode. So stay tuned and thank you for listening. Are your trees looking more frightful than delightful? Then you need Phantom Cuts Co., the spectral sensation sweeping the nation. With our hauntingly precise trimming solutions, your garden will be the talk, or should we say, the whisper of the town. No ladder, no problem. Our ghostly gardeners hover with ease, snipping and sawing without ever touching the ground. Your hedges will be the canvas for a macabre masterpiece. Imagine waking up to a shrubbery of spooks and a copse of creepy creatures. But don't worry, with Phantom Cuts Co., the only thing that will be severed are your branches. Our spirits are friendly, and our cuts are clean. In the dead of night, you'll hear the faint buzz, and by dawn, your yard will be impeccably eerie. 
think this service will cost you an arm and a leg? Guess again. It's a phantom bargain. So call 1-800-GHOST-SAW and let Phantom Cuts Co. take a stab at your arboreal nightmares. That's 1-800-GHOST-SAW. Haunt our hotline today and let us trim your way into the supernatural. Phantom Cuts Co. Hauntingly precise trimming solutions. They're a cut above the rest and a specter for your hedges. Be the envy or the fear of your neighborhood. Call now if you dare. Hello and welcome back to our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and joining me as always is my co-host, Jen. Today we have a fascinating episode for you titled Algorithmic Approach for a Unique Definition of the Next Generation Matrix. That's right, Tom. This episode is going to dive deep into the world of mathematical epidemiology and ecology. We're going to talk about a concept that originated in population dynamics and its pivotal role in understanding disease spread, the basic reproduction number R0. To set the stage, let's discuss why this paper we're focusing on is so significant in the field. The basic reproduction number, R0, is essentially a threshold value that determines whether an infectious disease will spread through a population or die out. It's a critical metric, and getting it right is of utmost importance for developing effective control strategies. One key challenge that this paper tackles is the fact that R0 is not a function of the original ODE model alone. There's a need to include a certain gradient decomposition, labeled as FV, and this decomposition isn't unique, which adds complexity to the definition of R0. The paper presents three new contributions to the literature. The authors have come up with a universal algorithmic definition for this gradient decomposition, which simplifies determining R0. They've gleaned a fixed point equation from previous works for extinction probabilities of a stochastic model associated with a deterministic ODE model, expressed in terms of this FV decomposition. And let's not forget they're proposing a new concept, the sufficient minimal disease infection set, which aims to streamline the determination of R0. Plus, they offer Mathematica scripts to illustrate their methodology. Moving into the core of the paper, they've developed a clear and precise methodology using a variety of examples, applying their algorithmic definition to several epidemic models and analyzing the results. The implications of their findings are vast. By providing a consistent and algorithmic method to define R0, they've created a tool that can be universally applied, making it easier to estimate the stability of disease-free equilibriums and invasion points, which are crucial for disease control and prevention efforts. For our conclusion, it's clear that this paper offers a significant step forward in our understanding and computation of the basic reproduction number R0. It bridges the gap between the theoretical definition of R0 and the practical application of calculating it for various infectious disease models. Absolutely, Tom. The universal recipe they've offered, the examination of the Jacobian factorization approach and the potential applications using Mathematica scripts offer insightful ways to look at epidemic models. And there you have it, folks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and found it as informative as we did. Remember, the fight against infectious diseases needs all the knowledge and tools we can muster. And this paper definitely adds a vital piece to that puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes on complex science made intuitive. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring the world of science with us. Mm -hmm.
Are you tired of living in a dull, colorless world where messages are trapped on screens? Well, not anymore. Introducing the incredible, the amazing, the not-so-ordinary Bubbletron 3000. That's right, folks. Why limit your digital escapades to flat, boring devices when your world can pop with color? The Bubbletron 3000, it's not just a bubble generator. It's a high-tech, Wi-Fi-enabled kaleidoscopic dream machine. Sync it with your beats and watch as your jams turn into a sensational light show. With 256.8 million colors, you'll be grooving in a technicolor bubble wonderland. And why text when you can encapsulate your tweets, your snaps, your undying love for pizza in a, well, sort of holographic bubble? Picture this. Your message floats across, across the room, gently lands on your friend's nose, and plop! Hope your message wasn't too serious. Operating out of the state-of-the-art mobile uh, command center, a.k.a. a retrofitted van, the geniuses at Bubbletron 3000 Inc. are the bubble whisperers you never knew you needed. They promised futuristic messaging and delivered mostly wet splats. But by golly, you'll be too busy laughing to care. So if you crave the nostalgic joy of bubbles with a twist of 21st century pizzazz, Bubbletron 3000 is your frothy fix. Plus, be the hit at parties. Amaze your friends. Confuse your pets. They're not making waves. They're making bubbles. Bubbling their way into the future, one pop at a time. Get yours today and turn your life from blah to bubble-tastic. And remember, listeners, to keep those messages light because the Bubbletron's delivery might be literally lighter than air. Sponsored by Bubbletron 3000 Inc., where messages and bubbles collide. Don't burst your chance to be part of the bubble revolution. Visit Bubbletron3000.com and mention this podcast for a sudsy little discount. Pop on, people.